Welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. My name is Vince, and I'm here with my co-host, Stevie D. And Stevie D, I had to take a nice, hot bath, take a shower, just kind of drink some tea, have some zen moments, like Phil Jackson would say and recommend after my near meltdown on our last podcast, talking about the Toronto Raptor fans. And just the sickening display. I'm I'm going to move on before I start to reverse that trend and and go back down a very dark path. So to make things a little easier, Stevie D, and who's to say where we're going to go in this one? Because for months, and between you and I, for years, we've had this conversation. I'm talking about the Hall of Fame. Well... And we're particularly talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame. And so, you know, this this show is kind of dedicated to uh, talking about right now just the Baseball Hall of Fame and the good, the bad, the ugly about what goes on around um, the baseball writers and electing people to the Hall of Fame. And, and some of the things that Vince and I have talked through the years, countless times through the years, countless times of – how voters get their rights to um, things that might a player may do in the background that a writer doesn't like and, and stuff like that. So we're, we're going to take a deep dive really into our thoughts behind the Hall of Fame and maybe even bring up some suggestions on how to improve the voting. As I'm sure everybody out there listening saying, oh, my God, thank God you're doing this story on this because I, I have thoughts and opinions. And we want to hear those thoughts and opinions from you as well. Uh, they see what kind of thoughts you guys had compared to our thoughts. And, and, and maybe we can do a follow-up little segment one day and incorporate everybody's thoughts and ideas in this. Uh, what do you think about that, Vince? Absolutely. That, that, that's a great idea, great suggestion. Uh, you know, folks can hit us up on Twitter, at RealOWSports. They can go to our website and, you know, send us a, a suggestion on how they would address the Hall of Fame. You know, Stevie D, one of the debates that we have always had with the Hall of Fame, it it really starts with the voting process, right? And, you know, very similar to other sports, you have the sports writers, but the sports writers in baseball, when when they get together, and actually I, I don't really know how much they really get together, right? Because they're sitting different parts of the country and they're filling out their ballots, but you, you sometimes you just wonder what are you thinking, right? And, and there's some guys that have been no-brainers, and, and you know, just unanimous first ballot Hall of Famers, and because one guy, you know, w- doesn't want to have or tarnish the legacy, you know, they'll they won't vote for a guy who is just hands down, you know, a, a lock for a unanimous Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know. Uh- that that has always disturbed me and i mean let's just dive right into it right i mean you're you're you open up the pandora's box there right so um i mean because there's many things you can break down and this is like this is one one of maybe 10 items that would cover thereabouts right so we're we're talking about and let's just say it right we're talking about players like barry bonds we're talking about players like roger clemens um players that like rafael parmero who aggravated everybody right mm-hmm. um with with his words but we'll, we'll uh, sammy sosa when you look at the bare numbers right when you look at those four players and those bare numbers 
And if you're asking me why I left off Mark McGuire, <laughs> because my thought process is Mark McGuire is not a Hall of Fame player, just because you have 1,600 hits and you hit 500 and, and plus home runs doesn't mean you're a Hall of Famer, right? It's like saying Adam Dunn just missed making the Hall of Fame at 500 home runs because he had 400 plus. It doesn't make Adam Dunn a Hall of Famer. So we, we should leave the home runs just set aside and just look at what players have done in their in their career. But when, when you look at I'll, – I'll start with the hitter and Barry Bonds. When you look at what he has done um, and what he's allegedly did – again, we have to say allegedly, even though I believe there's something to there, but it's alleged because there is no proof of anything, right? Unlike Roger Clemens where yeah, he, he got caught without getting caught, I guess, right? Sure. So when I look at Roger – when I look at that era and I look at Barry Bonds, when you look at every era in the game – it's hard. It's hard to believe that the era before the steroid era, I think was. I think they say 1990 thereabouts was the steroid era. Is the beginning oh, of the known they, steroid era. That's what that's, they say, right? That's what they say. I need to call my guy Tom House. That's the guy I was talking about on our last show, uh, and the bullpen pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, who you know just came out and said, "Yes, we took steroids. We passed it all around." Right. And so you have that. You have the um, was it the amphetamines, the greenies, right? Yeah, in the 70s. Yeah. And if and if anybody remembers the 2008 All-Star game back when it was in New York, Bob Costas hosted a show on HBO, had uh, Hank Aaron and Willie Mays as the centerpiece on, on the stage. Great panel. Great, Great panel. panel. Oh, yeah. And 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 all the famous All-Stars. We're in the state. We're in the audience watching, mm-hmm. um, and then you had a lot of actors and, and and people there. And Robert Wall, I believe, was the actor's name, and stood up. Arliss, Arliss, the guy from Arliss. Thank you. Um, uh, he he stated, and he brought up the fact of did it, wasn't there a magic potion that the players used to have back in the sixties? And if you watch really closely. Henry Aaron had a smirk on his face. Willie Mays was pretty much um, stoic, but 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 Hank Aaron had this like smirk on his face, like he knew exactly what he was talking about. And then Bob Costas pretty quickly uh, pushed the subject aside and said, "This is not the forum. We're mm-hmm. talking to great baseball players of all time, and this is not the forum." And so they they put it underneath the rug, right? So okay, there's the '60s, right? And so. I go all the way back to Babe Ruth. You know, I talk about this all the time. Like, how does one man, and I'm a Yankee fan, right? And I love Babe. He was wearing the Yankee shirt. But how does one man hit more home runs than every other team combined with all of their players? How does that happen in in a league year? Wasn't he really a Baltimore Oriole or something like that? No, I think that's where he was born. But okay. I don't I don't know if he ever played for the I think it would have been called the Highlanders back then. Um, I don't think he played for them. I think he played for the Red Sox and then was famously traded for one hundred thousand dollars because the owner of the Red Sox needed money to get a to continue funding a, a play. But I digress. Okay. Um, but but really. Right. I mean, think about how does one man. A heavy set man, a drinker. From what they say, a party guy, how does he how is he able to do this day in and day out and hit more home runs and hit it farther than anybody else. A, a real party guy. Let, let, let's get that straight. Real party guy. I mean, if you know a, what I mean, he, if you know what I mean, 
He's he's the original PIMP baby. I mean that's that's it's Babe Ruth, right? He started the drinking and having fun and and having all the ladies and all this. But it, you're just, you're leaving out one thing. Oh, uh, what am I leaving out? You leave the real party guy. Nothing gets started till you call that guy. Oh, uh, that guy. That oh wow. Well, no, wow. I just you know my sinuses are acting up. Oh, okay, that, just making sure on that one. That guy, but. But in all serious, right? It, it's there's something everywhere. Uh, nat- athletes naturally want to have a competitive advantage. They're going to do whatever it takes to be considered number one. You can say whether it's right or whether it's wrong, but every era had something. And to ostracize and to um, have this era pay the price for all the wrongdoings is wrong. But why are they doing it? I mean, let, let's get let's well, get back. They, I mean, you, you've cited the players absolutely, and you're spot on with the players. But why are the, why is it happening? Well, right. The, the The reason why it's happening is that these sports writers, these baseball writers, have been given a ballot to make a vote, and now they have a god complex. Oh yeah, sure. They think they yeah. can control and and do whatever they want, and, and dictate the way. The Hall of Fame should be. You're you don't you you are not a god because you were given a ballot. You were just lucky enough to find yourself being able to cover a, a professional baseball team. And because you you covered it on a national stage and you have a little bit of a reputation, you're given the right for a vote. But that doesn't make you a god. And for you to take that and, and misuse your votes. Right, your your vote is to look at what the player did on the field, what they did on the diamond. That that's that's what your vote is for. But because you don't like the way a guy may have treated a colleague or even treated somebody who you don't even know, and you don't really know the whole situation. And yes, I'm going back to Barry Bonds in the playoffs. Yeah, right. We, exactly. we all, all remember what happened, right? Bonds had a horrible playoff series. But so did Andy Vance like, and so did Bobby Bonilla, right? And so did the rest of that Pirates team. Not not Chico Lean, man. Don't, well, that's don't true. bust on Chico Lean. <laughs> that's true. But when you know they come into the Pirates uh, locker room or the clubhouse, and you know there's Bonds, like I don't want to talk to you. Now, can well, we pause there for a second? Can we sure. pause there for a second? Because and and this is, and I'm going to let you finish, but. One, how Major League Baseball allows, or maybe they change the rules now, uh, a player just lost in the playoffs. Their their mentality is about winning, and they just lost a series that they just played 162 games. Now, in that series, six or seven games, right? So you almost had 170 games. You gave it your all, and minutes after a game, when you're just taking your jersey off, you get these cameras in your face, right? And 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 expected to answer these questions, and you're upset. And well, and well, you should be that you just lost. You're pissed. You get paid to win, and exactly. athletes are very competitive. They've been competitive their whole life. You think they're going to be joyful like they just got done watching the the NFL game in a week and just had a, a big dinner and and they're just jovial? No. They haven't even had an opportunity to digest what's really happened, and they're pissed off 
And I'm sure Bonds was pissed off that he didn't perform. You think he doesn't want to perform? And then you ask these asinine questions. I'm sorry. You can go on with your story. I just had to get that off. No, I, I hear I hear you completely. I mean, think about it. If you think about that, they were going up against the Braves, right, in the NLCS. The Pirates had dominated. And, of course, Atlanta was there with some of the best pitchers that, that the game could buy or, or that we've seen, especially on one team. And, and Bonds goes, what, I, I think he batted a buck 50 for that one. But look deeper into it. And to your point, you know, you, you come after the guy saying you're not performing. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. You're, you're a playoff flop right after it just happened. You don't think that he knew that? You don't think that Jim Leland knew that? You don't think that the rest of the guys in that clubhouse knew that? You know, and, and now he turns around and he snaps at you. He he didn't he didn't punch you, he didn't put his hands on you or do anything violent to you, but he certainly treated you like the scum that you are, since you want to write about it like that. You know, it, you have these non-athletes, these jock sniffers is what I like to call them, you know, who are running all around the players, you know. You know, let me get a story. Oh, Barry, I love you. And then all of a sudden, Barry, you know, doesn't want to be bothered with you because he had a bad game, had a bad series. And now all of a sudden you feel as though now you can exact your revenge with a pen or with a keyboard now. And now, even more now, after his his career is over, an illustrious career, because <laughs> Stevie D, we talk about this all the time. We talk about this all the time. If Bonds would have retired when he left the Pirates before going to the Giants, he's a Hall of Famer right there. So these guys, you know, when we get to, we talk about the players, but when, when you break it all down, it's these sports writers that are ruining the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's hard to... Uh, when my my son asked, why, now he's 14, but years ago, and he, and he looks at the numbers and he says, why isn't Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame? Well, because somebody thought he took a steroid. Or the baseball writers are, are, are penalizing because like, they want to act as judge, jury, and executioner and say that he's not a Hall of Famer. And what upsets me more is guys like Goose Gotches that comes out and condemns the players of today and say none of them deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, to me, Gossage is is in a with his blinders on. You played in an era, and those players were doing things, right? Absolutely. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you did anything, Gossage, but to think that players that are in the Hall of Fame didn't do something to get a competitive edge, I mean, you you got to be pretty pretty naive. I was going to say a different word, but it is a family show. You just yeah. got to be pretty 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 naive. I'm sorry. Give me a break. Absolutely. At the turn of time, players, whether you're playing in the backyards, right, or you're on a baseball field, people are going to do things to get a competitive edge. And that's just the way it is. Does Gaylord Perry not go in the Hall of Fame because he he had he did the spitball or or he had uh, something on his bill of his cap? Right. Uh, I mean, are you going to go that far? No. You don't go that far. So we're only talking about st- cheating on the steroids. Man, people were cheating every which way they could. Well, um, and then, and then, you know, I, I know this is, is really going out there on a limb with this one. But 
then let's say if you play in a dome, you have an unfair advantage against the guy that plays on grass, right? Even though that ball is hit to you, especially a ground ball is hit to you a lot faster going off a turf, you don't have to worry about any bad hops kicking off a rock and popping up and getting past you. Your error, your error rate should be down, right? Because you're on a smooth surface. You can Play run. Fa- you can run faster. Playing at Yankee Stadium back in the day when it was two ninety six down the right field line. There you go. That's a competitive advantage, thirty to forty feet compared to most stadiums, just in that one corner. Fenway Park has the Green Monster. It, it, it's barely three hundred feet. It's got a high wall, but you pepper that all day long and hit it over the fence. So. Unless the ballparks like the NFL stadiums are all the same size, certain players, Colorado, look at the advantage in Colorado. What they say in Colorado, the ball flies out of there. So any Rockies player has an advantage for 81 games a year compared to other players. So their numbers can be inflated. And we know it's true because look at what happened to Vinny Castillo when he left. Right, Vinny Castillo was mashing, just absolutely mashing the ball out there. Goes to the Rays, (laughs) he can't even hit his name. So, you know, so I think that point right there is I think we covered it uh, pretty good. Right. Overall, as far as the writers are concerned uh, on that piece of the writers. Sure. My my number two is how they actually vote for a player. Right. So each Hall of Fame writer, uh, each writer that's that's eligible for the Hall of Fame. I think they're they're up to like two hundred and eighteen people or something like that. Um, do you get 10 votes? Mm-hmm. However you want to spend those 10 votes, right? And I go back years ago, and when we talk about Hall of Fame, now there's rules in here that says players must have at least 10 major league championship seasons, some part of which have been within the period described in 3A, where 3A says a baseball player must have been active as a player in their major leagues at some time during a period beginning 15 years before and ending five years prior to election. Okay. So guys like Aaron Seeley, um, <laughs> um, uh, 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 yeah. I mean, there's so many, right. BJ. So, I mean, you got guys that even were much worse than BJ Serhoff. That is Tom technically eligible. Right. <laughs> I mean, you could say Mackie Sasser. I mean, you could, there's so many names, <laughs> Alvaro Espinosa, Tim Foley, Wayne Collison. I can go on and on and on uh, on players that played more than 10 years that would fall up on the ballot. But on this particular example, I'm going to take the case in Aaron Seeley. Now, Aaron Seeley was most notable with the Seattle Mariners. Okay. I don't even think he won a hundred major league games in his career. And during the voting process, when he was eligible, there was one writer in Seattle that voted for him. (laughs) And when asked why he voted for him, he goes, well, I thought he was a really good pitcher and I, I wanted to vote for him for the hall of fame. I'm ad libbing a little bit because I don't remember the exact quote. Right. Mm -hmm. So here's a guy that has, that has the ability to vote for somebody in the hall of fame. And he elected to choose a player that shouldn't even be technically on the ballot. Like there Wait, should be certain. Who, who did he select? Aaron Seeley. Are, are we talking? Wait, you got to be talking about somebody different. We're not talking about the Aaron Seeley with a career ERA of four point six one. I know we're not talking about him. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. How many? How many major league wins did he have? Wait, the guy that had less than one hundred and fifty. Yeah. 
Wait, no, no, you're not talking about him. I know that guy didn't vote for them. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so he did because <laughs> he was being a homer. Right. But but if you look at now, that's just one person. But think about um, during the course of an election period of how many people get one point two percent of the vote, three point four percent of the point, five point four, seven point eight. OK, seven point eight percent of the vote is taken away from guys that are literally around 72 percent because you need 75 percent. So we got votes wasted on guys that should not even be on the listing because let's face it, you got to have some type of criteria just because you played 10 years in a league. Doesn't mean you qualify for the, the, the holy grail of of your profession. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. Somebody go, well, you can't say that. You're telling me that somebody with less than a thousand hits can't can't be eligible for the Hall of Fame. No. I don't care if you had five 250 hit seasons in a row and then had a devastating knee injury and never played again. So Stevie D, j- just to be clear about this, when there's Aaron Seeley vote, that was the year that nobody went in the Hall of Fame. Is that correct? That was the year when BGO and Morris. Uh, had high 60s, but didn't get the 75%. So nobody goes in? And and Sealy's one person with one vote. But if you, if you, and I don't have the ballot in front of me. No, I'm I'm just asking, is that you have to? No, I don't. I'm sorry, say that? You have to have 75% to get in? Yes, yes. Okay, so I think to your point now, this is this is the year. This was 2013 when the Sealy, when this guy decides to use his his vote on Aaron Sealy, it could have voted for Biggio and Morris. Now, not that that one vote would have ticked it to 75 percent, but you have guys that did not go in, so nobody goes in that year, right? Because Craig Biggio had 68 percent of the vote, and he was the leading vote getter. So just think, you add that vote, all of a sudden maybe he's at 69, and there were some of the others that were ridiculous votes as well, to your point. That's how nobody goes in. Right. So, what, right, because when you think of it, Aaron Silly gets one. I mean, think of players that didn't get a vote that year. Just I, I'm humor me here, right? Rondell White, much better player than Aaron Seeley. Not Reggie Sanders. Jeff Cirillo had a decent career. Jose Mesa was probably, even though he had a crucial blow and save, still had a better career than Aaron Seeley. Todd Walker, Royce Clayton, Jeff Conine, Colesco, uh, Roberto Hernandez, Mike. I would say, I would say I would say Roberto Hernandez had a better career than Seeley. You're talking about a closer, and he, he had 326 saves. It, yeah, was, yeah. I, I would say he had a, definitely a much better career. But now, but look at him. So Sean Green um, had had two had got two votes. Steve Finley got four votes. David Wells got five. Julio Franco got six. Although I love Julio Franco, I, not that, even that close, batting right? stance was. I know that's what made him so killer, man. How does he do it? And right. he played till he was like sixty-two. Right. Um, Sandy Alomar got sixteen. Kenny Lofton got eighteen. Bernie Williams got nineteen. Those are the players that fell off the list. So now you got a couple of the steroid guys in Palmera and Sosa, uh, 50 votes for Palmera, 71 for Sosa. Again, both of them had Hall of Fame careers, so I'm not going to pick on them there. But, but other than that, I'm not going to discard anybody else that was on that list um, because, well, again, 
I, I look at is if Kirby Puckett's in the Hall of Fame, Don Mattingly should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, their careers mimicked each other, and they and and Mattingly and Mattingly had to deal with that back injury that took out David Wright, and, and he still had uh, unbelievable numbers. Paralleled. Um, Kirby Puck and I love Kirby Puck. Baseball. Yeah, well, you know that 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 was my boy Daddy growing up. Baseball. All right. So, <laughs> but but I, I look at some of the the names that are on here, and I just say, those are votes that were taking away from Craig Biggio sure. to get into the Hall of Fame. Sure, sure. Um, and so I, I just it, it's it. I don't know. I I just think it's wrong, and people that misused the vote like that should lose their vote. But I think that how you stop that silliness is that if you have a criteria that makes them eligible other than the years that they played, then maybe those senseless votes won't happen. Yeah, but so let's debate that for a minute. How do you set a criteria? Uh, no clue. Okay. <laughs> I got no clue. Right. Because right? What, right. what I'm going to say, it, when you look at the the, the game of baseball, it's ever evolving, right? We see it in other sports like football and hockey, especially with the rule changes that they've made, you know, where you see the fluctuation in football. Now it's an offensive league, right? Where receivers who had a thousand yard season, you know, back in the nineties, everybody's like, Oh my goodness, this guy, you know, had a great season now to have a thousand yard season, you know, okay, well, why didn't you have 1500 right in hockey? You know, if you scored 20 goals, you had a great season. Now you need to be scoring 30 and 40, right? But it fluctuates. When you look at baseball, baseball has been pretty consistent over the years, right? Yeah, even though the game number of games have changed and what have you, baseball has been pretty consistent. It's, it's been very difficult for a pitcher to be a 20-game winner over the course of a season. Right, it's been very difficult for for 300 strikeouts over the course of a season. It, it's damn near impossible to hit 400. Right, if you hit 300, people think you know you had a good season. You're a great hitter. So we we have we have those bars, but just like the other two sports, we know that things are going to change. So if you set a bar, all of a sudden these guys are exceeding that bar. Are you just opening the floodgates for you know what would be deemed just a common player to come in? Well, I well again, just making you eligible, right? So if you look at the list here, that uh, we go back to 2013 because I got it in front of me, right? Sure. When you look at guys like all right, so Biggio, Morris, Bagwell, Piazza, Rain, Smith, all are now in the Hall of Fame with Lee Smith going in this year. Um, then and then you had Edgar at ten and Trammell at eleven, both going. In, uh, Edgar goes in the Hall of Fame this year. But when you look at seven, eight, and nine, it's Schilling, Clemens, and Bonds. We all know, not not well, Kurt Schilling. I hate Kurt Schilling, so I, I, I'm not even going to discuss him. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I don't like him. Uh, but if you look at Clemens and Bonds, Larry Walker, Fred McGriff, th- those names are are. are are in that in that where you can say yes, they're eligible to be on the ballot, right? You look at down here and you look at Kenny Lofton. Kenny Lofton had a nice career. Is it Hall of Fame worthy? No, no, no. Right, right. Bernie Williams has four championships. Played on some. He played some really great ball. Is he a Hall of Famer? No. Mm-mm. Right. So 
there's now people will say, I can't believe Bernie Williams didn't get at least five percent of the vote to stay on there. He's not a Hall of Famer. Uh-uh. He's not a Hall of Famer. He couldn't throw a baseball. Yes, he was a good hitter. He wasn't a great hitter. Right? You, you know, the you difference know. is between good and great. We're talking about a great hitter. Like to me, Don Manley was a great hitter. He used all fields. He had power. His defense was second to none at first base. Right? There's a difference between Don Manningly and Bernie Williams. I, I would I wouldn't disagree. But you you know, Stevie D, first first and foremost, I, I think you could go down any list uh and, and do what we what we've talked about. There's the smell test. Either you are or yeah. you're not. Right. They, they, there's right. One, right. one or the other. Either you are or you're not, at least to get on the list, right? We could go down this list right now and some guys that actually have HOF next to their name, I don't believe are Hall of Famers. Mike Piazza is not a Hall of Famer to me. I'm sorry. We I'm disagree. Sorry. Well, we disagree on that one. As a catcher, uh, what he did as a catcher, as a hitter, was unbelievable. His defense was was not very good, but his his offensive numbers for a catcher were were ridiculous. I I don't I I liked him when he first came out, and, and that's Craig Biggio. Biggio is not a Hall of Famer to me. And, and yeah, you may look at his numbers and say, well, he did this or do, did that. You know, he's a sub 300 hitter, but he's a Hall of Famer. He played multiple positions. He started as a catcher, went to second, went to the outfield. Yeah, I give him credit. Transition, had a long career, but he's not a Hall of Famer. I, I go back to what we have talked about in the past, right? There is the Hall of Fame which is the best of the best of the best, right? It is platinum. Then you could have the Hall of Very Good, right? Where you have great players, but, you know, they just didn't qualify for that platinum card, right? That American Express Black. Sorry, you don't get that. But we'll give you a lot of other benefits. And, and I think that's that's kind of the distinction where, you know, you're allowing guys to come in who had real had beyond good careers. They had great careers, but they weren't the best of the best. Yeah, you know, it's and funny. That's where they struggle. Because you've talked about this in the past where you said you take a guy like Craig Biggio because you mentioned it, right? And, he, and he's he's in the Hall of Fame. But when Craig Biggio came to bat, did you ever fear Craig? No. Like, I fear Ho- Jose Atuve every time he comes to the bat. I don't want nothing to do with that guy as a hitter. Yeah. Because he's got power. Uh, he's just a very good hitter. You hit the all fields, all fields, and, yep. and so I fear Jose Altuve. I don't fear Craig Biggio. Right now, did I fear Mike Piazza when he came to the plate? Absolutely, I did. I, I thought he was going to hit a home run every time he came up. And, and maybe um, it's because I didn't. You, you know, you being in New York, you saw him more. Uh, you know, and maybe it's because I did not see him. But when I did see him, I just he he didn't move the needle for me to say, "Oh my goodness!" Right, like Tim Raines. Tim Raines, he fe- you feared him as a leadoff hitter. He was a game changer. I feared him on the base paths. Yes, but but as a hitter, he was a very good hitter. I mean, he finished at two ninety four. Okay, but you know, what, what you just said, he was a very good hitter. Very good hitter. No, I mean he would. I mean two ninety four. I didn't take off. He was a great hitter. Well, again, I didn't see him every day. He by the time he got to the Yankees, he was end of his career. He was people feared Tim Raines. They feared Tim Raines. He was a great leadoff hitter. Okay, you got me to say it. 
he was a great leadoff hitter. Lee Smith. People were afraid of Lee Smith. Yes. I, I will absolutely agree with that. And, and you got me to change. You know, I'm not taking credit for Lee Smith here. Right? You, you, when we had our talks and we talked about players, you convinced me about Lee Smith. And, and, and some of the things that you said, I went back and researched and, and, and did the YouTube videos. Absolutely, Lee Smith, his pure size, his, he had this intimidation feature, uh, feature about him that basically teams melted. And they couldn't hit this guy because he was, I mean, he was, he had all the great pitches. Dude, think about he it. had that and, and, and that massive body of his just, he, he struck fear into those hitters. Think about it. He, he was the 1980s version of, of uh, Bob Gibson. That's what he was. He came out there bigger than life, standing on that mound, 60 feet, six inches away. And would dot an eye right underneath your chin, telling you to get off his plate, and then just fire right down the middle. And, and you know, you're oh, I want none of this. I mean, I, I that's what that's what is intimidating, and what I love about a closer, right? You got all these closers now throwing a hundred, but they don't have that kind of control. So yeah, I I love Lee Smith, love it. Glad he's in there. Yeah. But you know, so we. We're looking at the 2013 class, right? Yep. In a couple of weeks, we, we are going to have the 2019 class go in, right? And so that's where Lee Smith will finally be honored as being a Hall of Famer. And included with him going in under the Veterans Committee will be Harold Baines. We've talked about Harold Baines in the past, right? Is Harold Baines a Hall of Famer? Well, you know, that designated hitter. <laughs> I, I'm glad he's in. I, I, I'll say this. I'm glad he's in. Baines was a great hitter, but he I didn't fear Harold Baines. If that makes sense. He was a great hitter. But I didn't fear him like some of the others. Harold Baines was a clutch hitter. Um, He was a clutch hitter. That's what I'll say about Harold Baines. Doesn't make you a Hall of Famer because you're a clutch hitter. Um, I agree, but I, I, agree. I looked at, I looked at him as a clutch hitter. And so these two go in under the veterans committee, right? Is that fair? Uh, no, I, I, uh, well, I'm not a, I am not a veterans committee fan. And Why not? I, I, because I think that, uh, you get a sympathy vote for players that are already in the hall of fame. And I use the example and Yankee fans will kill me, is Phil Rizzuto. Love Phil. Holy cow, right? I love Phil. It's lightning out. I got to get home, right? And he'd lead the broadcast. The Hall of Fame broadcaster, <laughs> right? He'd just get up. I mean, one of the famous lines he used to say, and, and, and they say it all they, they do this video all the time. I'm Bill White, and uh, here's where my partner, Phil Rizzuto. Like, Phil, you are Phil Rizzuto. How do you call yourself <laughs> Bill White? I mean, it was just classic stuff that he would do. Lightning would come. He had to leave. I'm on my way home, right? He's over the bridge. And, and so Hall of Fame announcer, not a Hall of Fame player. He played on great teams. I don't see him as a Hall of Fame player. But yet, if you're in with that group, they want to get you in the Hall of Fame, and, and they put him in the Hall of Fame. So I am not a huge fan of the Veterans Committee. So I, I want to talk about the Veterans Committee, but 
okay, you had to talk about Rizzuto in the broadcast booth. I, that brings back uh, the thoughts and the memories of yesteryear. Back when I was living back up in Buffalo, and we used to get the Yankee games. And, oh, man, to listen to Bill White and yeah. Phil Rizzuto, if, for those of you who are listening, if you have never heard these two, please go and YouTube old Yankee games from, like, the 80s and just listen to it. It is classic. Yes, classic. Absolute classic. <laughs> I, I miss Bill White. And I know he left the Yankees to take the, the VP of uh, the National League. That's why went, when he left the Yankees in the broadcast booth. Um, but there was something soothing of listening to Bill White and Phil Rizzuto. And when 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 Bill White left the booth, I just it, it lost something. Now, it, we got a little bit back when Bobby Mercer came into the booth there a little bit. And I like Bobby Mercer, the late Bobby Mercer. Um, but Bill White w- was classic uh, on that. But we digress there. Great, great, great uh, spot on Bill White and, and Phil Rizzuto. But uh, but the Veterans Committee, I'm just not a fan of. I just, now, I don't. I, I will tell you. I, I will tell you. I am absolutely a fan of the Veterans Committee. And you may ask why. I'm asking why. <laughs> because we just talked about those idiots with a pen that have a grudge. Right. And they will keep people out who deserve to be in. And by having the Veterans Committee, what it does, it allows us to right a wrong. Right. To go back and say, wait, wait, wait a minute. This guy deserves to be in there. Now, does it work all the time? No, it doesn't. Uh, But certainly it gives more uh, consideration and, and certainly especially those that that held those grudges in, you know, said, I'm just like we talked about with bonds, right? I'm not going to put bonds in because of this. And I agree with you. He made me feel bad and he hurt my friend's feelings and I'm not going to vote for him. Right. It stops that. Right. It gives these guys the ability to have their just due. Right. But added to that, I mean, think about it. Uh, You you know, Mazeroski veterans committee, right. I will tell you the one who did not get in through the Veterans Committee and lost his year of eligibility just before he died was Buck O'Neill. You know, that, yeah. That was an absolute travesty, is a black mark on the game of baseball. And anybody who is a historian of the game, a historian of the Negro Leagues, a historian of Buck O'Neill knows that he deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You know, living in Kansas City, um, in the home of the Negro Hall of Fame mm-hmm. Museum, um, the Kansas City Royals celebrate Buck O'Neill every night. Uh, Buck O'Neill, they have the Buck O'Neill seat. Uh, it's a special, um, I forget what color. I, I think it's, they painted the seat gold, I believe, mm-hmm. to make it stand out. And in uh, uh, and, and every game, they announce who's sitting in the Buck O'Neill seat. And so the, the Royals really do a great job. Obviously, the Kansas City Monarchs, right? Um, they do a really great job of, of celebrating Buck O'Neill every night, every home game. Kudos to the Kansas City Royals. 
to your point, I, I don't understand how Buck O'Neill is not in the Hall of Fame and how he's still not in the Hall of Fame today, but how when he was alive, he, he wasn't there, not in the Hall of Fame while he was alive. It, it, I don't know if I have words for it. Like, I have words. I can't say those words, <laughs> but uh, it, it is, it's mind-boggling, mind-boggling that that buck o'neill is not in the hall of fame so when we talk about the veterans committee they didn't get it right there either no they didn't they didn't they dropped the ball and and i'll tell you what was interesting and i forget exactly the year that it was uh but i what i do remember was when everybody knew that buck o'neill was in failing health right and and it wasn't it didn't need to be a, a sympathy type vote for somebody of his stature to get in, you know, his play and his contribution to the game of baseball alone should have got him in. But everybody was anticipating that he was going to get in. That was the crazy thing. You know, you, you listen to sports radio and, you know, reading on the internet and everything else. Everybody knew he was going to get in. And I, I really wish that I was living in the Kansas city area or, or paid attention to what was happening in the Kansas City area. Because this is just from a national perspective. I know the hype in, in Kansas City had to be, you know. Oh, it was ridiculous. Absolutely. And then for him not to get in, I it just, and, and lost his chance to ever get in. You know, just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, we have a couple guys going in through the Veterans Committee. Actually, I don't think that that I think they got it wrong with this one, to be honest with you. You know, again, I'm not, you know, hey, congratulations, Harold Baines. <laughs> I'm glad you got in. Uh, not a big fan. I don't think you deserve to be in, you know, in the Hall of Halls. But, you know, you're in. <laughs> Same thing with Alan Trammell. How does Alan Trammell make it to the Hall of Fame, but Lou Whitaker doesn't? Yeah. Right? You oh, want to talk about yeah. careers that are right, right, sweet Lou? Oh, I, yeah. I, it's mind-boggling that Trammell made it and, and Lou doesn't. Um, and a, I look at Alan Trammell. What a double, double play, play combo. Play. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, I mean I, I'm going to kill Trammell here. He played 20 years in the league. 185 career home runs, batted 285. He had 2,300 hits in 20 years. He had 1,000 RBIs in 20 years. So he averaged 50 RBIs a year. 50. He averaged 50. Batting where he was in the lineup. It's not like he batted eighth when you didn't have opportunities. You, you know, you, I'm, I'm going to change your name. name. You're no longer Stevie D. Am I? You, you are stat guy. That's that guy. But you're that guy. I'm that guy. But but it, it's the truth. When you, when you want to break it down, you you have to break it down and, and look at it. It's the same thing with Mark McGuire. I go back to it. He played 16 years. He had 1,626 hits. People are going to ask, how do you know that? Because it's ingrained in my head because I hate it. So <laughs> I hate when people talk about Mark McGuire that I know all these freakish stats about Mark McGuire. And, right? and CBD, yes, people, this is true. <laughs> this has been an ongoing thing since, oh, He what? was eligible. Since, since he was eligible. No, no, no. It's since like 2000, 2003 or four. Hey, you just started reciting his stats. And telling me how bad of a hitter he is, yeah. Yeah. how yeah. much everybody's in love with this guy. It, it, it was, it's been amazing. Right. It, 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 it hasn't changed. You're absolutely right. Right. What did, what did we call him? 
the Dave Kingman of baseball. Yeah, right. Think about it. If Dave Kingman hits 50 more home runs back in the day, right? He hits 500 on the nose. Everybody that was at the at that time that hit the 500 home run club was a Hall of Famer. Right. Dave Bleakin Kingman. Now, yeah. if, if anybody wants to know why I said Dave Bleakin Kingman, YouTube Tommy Lasorda talking about Dave Kingman, and you'll never stop laughing. Right. Because when Kingman hits three home runs off of the Dodgers, Lasorda just loses it in the press game, the post game press conference. It, it's hilarious. But, um, yeah, Mark McGuire, it's just it's just not there for me, right? But if you take a guy like Gary Sheffield, Gary Sheffield is so much more better player than than Mark McGuire. Yeah. Now Sheffield didn't hit as many home runs, but he had more RBIs. He batted higher. He had a much better uh, uh, batting average, career batting average. Yes, he had a lot more at bats, but it doesn't. I, to me, Gary Sheffield was a better hitter than Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire's claim of fame because all he did was hit home runs. So let me ask you this question. In all fairness, we talk about the smell test. We talk about, do you fear a certain player? McGuire comes up the bat. Do you fear him? Uh, not if I have uh, my, my good pitchers on the mound. Because I, I still do believe that uh, Mark McGuire can be pitched to. And honestly, if you take a look... You know, some of that smell test, and I know it kind of backfires for Barry Bonds a little bit early in his career. Um, but if you look at somebody who's consistently playing in the playoffs, how do you do against the top notch? Or if you, even if you do the regular season, if you can break down the hitters on uh, above average pitchers to Hall of Fame pitchers, what do they do against those players? Now, I don't have that breakdown. But to me, if you're on the Hall of Fame ballot and you're that kind of bubble player, what is your career batting average against Hall of Fame pitchers? How did you do? Did you bat 115 or did you bat 305? So that's interesting. That is interesting because what I would be curious, if you were to break out the stats, I would be curious when you did your damage. Was your was your average in the first inning, you know, uh, 500? Was your average in innings two through five, right, in in the low twos or in the ones? Because that's, you know, first inning, pitchers, you know, just really starting to get warm and everything else like that, trying to figure out where the strike zone is from the umpire. Then all of a sudden they hit their groove in that second through fifth. And then they start to tire in the sixth, in the seventh, right? So now does that average start to go back up in the sixth and seventh? And then does that average go down in the ninth because you're facing the closer? It, it, I, I'm sure there's a stat category. The guys that are consistent, like you talk about an Altuve in today's game, right? He's got to be 300 across the board. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. who pitch it to him. You, you could take a look at, you know, as Yankee fans, we always used to criticize a lot of Alex Rodriguez. Oh, how many home runs does he hit when the Yankees are up 8 nothing? Right over losing ten to ten to two, and he hits a home run to make it ten three. Right, and we lose the game ten three. You know those garbage home runs that add up in a career. Yes, it's a home run, but when we needed you the most, when we were losing five four in the seventh inning, what did you do with that at bat? You know, runners in scoring position with 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 two outs. How, were you? How, how did you do? And to me, those are the type of statistics that should really be analyzed. Don't necessarily look at 
the overall Gordy numbers of a player because those can be deceptive. But what did you do with what did you do overall in game situations that meant the most to your to your team? And to me, that that so, kind of elevates you. Like I know we keep using it, Jose Altuve, right? Look, you could say Derek Jeter. You know, Derek Jeter had a, had a very I mean, he had a great career, right? He had a great career. But when you look at the clutch moments for a guy that you say wasn't a five, didn't hit 500 home runs, the guy was so clutch in many areas, whether it was defensively, who people kill him on his defensive skills. But when it's crunch time, he made the plays. So Stevie D, uh, one of the resources that, you know, if you don't know about it, you have to go there. Everybody in sports media uses this resource, and that's baseballreference.com. Baseball-reference.com. Thank you. For the, for the folks, if, if they want to do it, it's baseball-reference.com. Now, Stevie D, they have the breakdown by inning. No way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's in their advanced stats. And I just happened to look at Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds in the first inning, 133 home runs. Barry Bonds in the second inning, 61 home runs. In the third inning, 102. In the fourth, 100. In the fifth, 85. And in the sixth, 80. That tells me that the guy is clutch. That passes any smell test. Right, because that's when the pitcher is most dominant. You're going against those starters, and it doesn't matter if you're one. It doesn't matter if you're five. Right, the 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 number five starter, his he he won't be able to go seven or eight, but his best stuff is in the first, second, and third. Right, uh, one of the all star pitchers, his best stuff is in the first seven, and it, that's where he's dominating. Incredible, incredible. So right, yeah. I, yeah. Just just looking at that, you know, they, they have it broken down on baseball reference innings one through three, four through six, and innings seven through nine. And, you know, looking again, looking at Bonds' numbers, 296 in innings one through three, 265 in four through six. That that that's where the money is made right there. Right. And, and so like like McGuire, we're we're bouncing back and forth here with players, but Mark McGuire had a 217 career batting average in the postseason. I know it's not everything, but in 151 at bats, he had 217. He had five home runs and 14 RBIs in his in his postseason career. I just I look at everything. I I just I just think he's one of the more overrated, even though he's not in the Hall of Fame, but he's not in the Hall of Fame because they're they're keeping him out for different reasons. Not right. because he I think if steroids never came in the, the voters would have voted him in. No doubt. No doubt. So, but if we get back to 2019, because yeah. unfortunately Bonds and Clemens and McGuire, those guys still are not sniffing anything close to something saying Hall of Fame. You, you know, we, we, we talked about Lee Smith, who's going in. We talked about Harold Baines. There's another designated hitter going in, and I think it's well-deserved, and, and that's Edgar Martinez. You know, we talk about feared hitters. How this man has taken this long to get into the Hall of Fame is is a travesty. Uh, I, it seems like it'd be the word of this podcast. Yeah, um, but it, it it really is. You, you when when you put in the word DH, Edgar's face is there, 
And people want to punish him because he didn't play the field. Well, he started off as a third baseman. Okay, he wasn't very good. But a 312 career hitter with a career on-base percentage of 418, that is pretty darn good for your career numbers. 309 yeah. home runs. Yeah. Over 1,200 RBIs. I, I can't I can't there's not one number you can put out there that I can I can argue with. I know I know the baseball writers, you know, look at the fact that they want to say he didn't play the field. Okay, so he played 50%. DH is a position. It is. I will give you that. You know, you, you can make you can make that argument that yes, he did not play the field, but to your point, uh the DH is a position. Now let me ask you this question. In the postseason, did he play the field? Uh, that is a good question. Well, because he never played in a World Series, I don't think he did because he could always be the DH. In interleague, did, did he play the field? So, uh, yes. Yeah, so he has played the field, uh, and, and he did. He, he has played the field, yes. So th- then enough said. Right to to the sports writers who want who want to say, well, you never played the field. You know, not only did he he did play the field, but it wasn't necessary for him to play the field, right? Because he played in the American League, and we could maximize his talent as a designated hitter. However, if the situation ever arose, he didn't sit the bench because we were playing in a National League ballpark. Right, he was right out, uh, you know, in the game uh, in the field. So well deserved for Edgar to get in. Um, it, you know, in a way, and, and I don't think it'll happen, but maybe by Edgar getting in, maybe my guy Steve Tasker may get into the NFL Hall of Fame. Just throwing it out there. I know we're talking baseball, but you know, I got to show some love to Steve Tasker. I'm not going to touch that one because um, I don't necessarily disagree. You, that's the position you played. If it's a position on the field, it's it should be Hall of Fame eligible. If it's a now, people are going to say, "Well, what do you think, a long snapper?" It, but it, it, at the end of the day, because of him, people now make football teams to be a specialist on the special teams. Steve, people make the Pro Bowl because of him. Yeah, that's right. Right. So, <laughs> so, but anyway, that that's, yeah, that's then, another, that's another, uh, that's Hall of Fame show. Special show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, you so know, yeah, Edgar goes in and then we look at there's, there's two left debating how I want or there's three left three, yeah. and I'm debating. Well, one is obviously going to go last and I'm debating who goes first between these two. So we'll do the easy one. Mike Mussina. Yeah, Mike Mussina, um, when when his name was coming up for, for the Hall of Fame, I had him as a Hall of Famer. Um, I did I know you didn't. Um, 270 career victories, a 3.68 Aaron run edge career in the steroid era. Um, he won 20 games once. He won 18 or 19 games several times in his career. Um, he played in the American League East his whole career. Um, he didn't have, he didn't go to the national league. You know, he, he played in the toughest division his whole entire career. Um, and there has to be something said about that when you're playing in a division, when he played for Baltimore, he played the Yankees and the Red Sox, uh, Blue Jays, 
uh, that, that always were, were a tough team. And then when he goes to the Yankees, again, you still have the Red Sox and you had, you know, the mix between the Orioles at times and then with the Blue Jays. So that have very relied heavily on hitting. He pitched in a Yankee stadium. That was a hitter friendly ballpark. He pitched in Camden Yards. It was a hitter friendly ballpark. He played a lot of games in American League East in hitter friendly ballparks like Fenway Park. And so for him to have those numbers in a hitter friend in a lot of hitter friendly um, ballparks and, and then in American League East. Um, and I look back, obviously, I got to see him a lot. Uh, I, I thought, I think he's a Hall of Fame pitcher because of that. And f- his winning percentage. I mean, if you look at his numbers, he's right there with Jim Palmer. I mean, yeah. his numbers echo Jim Palmer. Yeah, I think the era of baseball was a little different. Yeah, right? yeah, uh, it was. good and bad. Uh, I, you know, again, sometimes I just go by my smell test. Musina uh, was good, but not dominant to me. He he had a long career where he, he had stretches. There's no doubt about it. He had stretches. Uh, you know, he, he was always up there in the Cy Young voting. But I just, he, he, didn't, he didn't move the needle for me. It's, it's hard for me to explain. It's hard for me to put my finger on it. Uh, you know, I look at, you know, if I look at his stats, I never saw 20, uh, 20 wins except for his last year, Right. Uh, and, and that was an aging, you know, almost a, a 40-year-old Mike Mussina when he got 20. But, you know, you look at the team he was on. Yeah, is that his fault that, that he didn't get 20? I, I don't know. He came close. He made some runs at it. I, I look at his his ERA, and it's over three and a half. Now, you, valid points. You know, you're, you're playing in one of the toughest, toughest divisions. I, I'll give you that. Um, but – Still, I, I expect dominance if you're going in the Hall of Fame. That's why I just, you know, it never really did pass the smell test. Great pitcher, very or very good pitcher, but to me, just not a great pitcher. Not a not a platinum. Not a platinum. I I can call him great because he's not a platinum pitcher to me. But congratulations, Mike Mesita, because to a whole lot of people, you're a platinum pitcher and you're finding your way into the Hall of Fame. Then we come to a guy that I would like to say my boy, and that is the late Roy Holiday. Yeah, I'm looking at his numbers. I, I may have to uh, change my opinion of Roy Holiday a little bit. Um, he he uh, he he had a stretch there. Um, you know, if you take away his first his first three years, mm-hmm. and you throw away his last two at the end of his career, where he's a little injury prone. So you take away one, two, three, five years out of the 16 years, and you look at the 11 years where his career started taking off. Uh, they they were pretty darn good years. They were pretty darn good years. I mean, you pitched in the American League East, and you got ERAs of 293, 241, 278, 2792, right? That, that's pretty darn good. He oh. threw a no-hitter in a playoff game uh, for, for the Phillies. Won um, the Cy Young twice. Yeah, yeah. Eight-time yeah. All-Star, eight-time All-Star. You know when when I compare Holiday to Messina, yeah, it's it, hands down. I'm taking Holiday. I he, he was to me, 
Now, granted, he was a Blue Jay, and at the time, I had love for for Toronto. That's over. <laughs> multiple, <laughs> multiple reasons. That's over, right? To, Toronto, you're dead to me. Even if you're a fan listening in Toronto, Toronto sports teams, you're dead to me. Uh, but still, uh, back then when I was a Blue Jays fan, I you know I really you know, just to watch, when he would take the ball every fifth day you almost could pencil in that you were going to win that game. And we had some really bad teams. We had some really bad teams, but you know, he, he was, you know, he, he was a workhorse too, right? It, you, you knew you were getting 225, 230, 240 innings out of this guy. You knew you were getting that. Hey, you know, he, he, he's my guy and, and I'm glad he's going in. Not so happy on his passing and not so happy on the way that he passed. But I, I think that his his major league baseball career uh, was certainly something that, that merits the Hall of Fame. And the cool thing is that his son got drafted by the Blue Jays. Yeah, in the 32nd round, which was his number. Yes, yes. Great point. Great point. And... Actually, his son is local uh, in in the Tampa Bay market. Uh, and the reason why I bring that up is that uh, there is a friend of mine from high school uh, whose son is on the Cavalry Christian High School baseball team. Uh, and that was the same team that Roy Holiday's son uh, played oh, for, wow. and so, yeah, they. I mean, you want to talk about a great baseball team? I'm telling you, they 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 went crazy. So, if I can add to Roy Holiday here, you know, I think when I look at his numbers in a time where the bullpen is is running away with it, he did have 67 complete games and 20 shutouts in his career, mm-hmm. right? And and in an era right now where people aren't getting a chance to complete games um, and and pitch for shutouts, I mean that's 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 a pretty high number in today's ball. I mean I know some pitchers had 67 complete games back in the 50s in two years um, because that's all they did was pitch the whole game. It's a it's an impressive number to where other players are today. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I I would agree. He's a he's a he's a Hall of Famer. And then we come to our last Hall of Famer for the class of 2019. And, you know, I'm surprised this guy got in, I'll be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I look for, you know, when we talk about Roy Holiday and as dominant as he was, I mean, we're talking about a guy that pitched nine innings, right? I, I'm not talking about a guy that comes in for one inning and, and throws, what, nine pitches. I'm talking about a guy that's in there, you know, for nine innings, throwing 120 pitches in dominating. Somehow this guy gets in, really only has one pitch, throws the cutter, right? And, and because it, you know, saws off bats, he gets weak ground balls. Yeah, how, how does this get, and, and really? Unanimous? I'm talking about Mariano Rivera. Well, you know, that's my boy right there. And, you know, it's, like it's amazing. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, <laughs> now if you don't know people, I am saying that in jest, this guy was a beast, a beast. It, it, 
it, it truly right, is amazing that a guy who threw consistently 92 to 94 on his fastball and had a cutter that uh, that was just so dominant. And, and so for the folks that that I'm going to give Mo here. Um, so Mo developed his cutter in 1997. So in, in 96, when he had this great rookie year, when he was truly coming on the scene as a relief pitcher. Um, he, he was he was really good for the Yankees championship season of 96, right? And he actually finished third in the Cy Young as, as, a, as a rookie uh, and 12th in MVP. But anyway, in 1997, his first year as a closer, he went to spring training and he was playing catch with Ramiro Mendoza, a former relief pitcher for the Yankees. The long and reliever. He, yes. And they were playing catch. And Mo was throwing this pitch, and, and the way it was cutting, Men, Ramir Mendoza thought he was joking around. Like, will you stop messing around with me and just throw your, your four-seam fastball? And at the point, he kept saying, that is my fastball. And so the pitching coach, Mel Stoudemire, they all got together, and they said, keep throwing it, keep throwing it. And that pitch is what turned out to be the cutter. So his cutter was he was just messing around in 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 training camp, uh, throwing playing catch with Ramiro Mendoza when he discovered the cutter. Mm-hmm. I mean that's crazy. You just discovered that, and then from that point on, you were known for the cutter. Where CC Sabathia, Andy Pettit, could say if it wasn't for Mariano Rivera teaching them the cutter, they would have been out of baseball. CC said he would have been out of baseball by now. And this is, just came out the other day about CC talking about it um, and giving him credit for lo- giving him better longevity in baseball for Mo teaching him the cutter. So, but when you look at, at his career, I mean, his, his, his regular season stands out, right? But when you look at his postseason, uh, uh, his postseason numbers, okay, the man has pitched. 141 innings in the postseason. 141. His career ERA is 0. .70. I mean, let that sink in there. CVD, .70. When you're playing the best of the best. But CVD, before you go there, because I this really does need to be all about Mo. Let's talk about how he got to this point. Because if if Baseball historians or Yankee fans remember Mariano was the setup guy. When he when he was first with the Yankees, he was the setup guy to John Wetland. Yeah. And, and then Wetland did, did the is it and you would know this. Did the Yankees know that Rivera was going to be their closer, or was it the fact that Wetland had such a great year uh in what was it, 96? or 95, whatever year it was, did they know that that Wetland just said, I want to be a free agent and sign somewhere else to well, make the bigger I, money? Th- yeah, this is what happened. So Wetland was traded. The Yankees traded for Wetland from Montreal. So Met- Wetland came from Montreal, right? He was with Pedro and Larry Walker and all those guys, right? Just think about what the Expos could have been. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. So they traded for Wetland. And then so Wetland was on the contract in 95 and 96. At the end of the, the season when they won the World Series, you know, Mo basically gave them two innings. Almost he almost averaged two innings out of the bullpen that that season. He he was so dominant, and so at the end of the year they said, you know what, we're going to save the money and let Wetland go because let's try this kid Mar- Mariano Rivera out as a closer. And that that's how it started. The le- the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that's how it, it's yeah, amazing. Wetland got paid. He went to the Rangers and he got paid. He did, and really yeah. was never heard of again. Right. But, <laughs> but it, it's it's amazing how but, but how you, the story starts for people. I mean, when you look at some of the years he had, I mean, one point eight eight. 191, 183, 166, 194, 138, 180, 140, 176, 180, 191, right? 191 was when he was 39 years old, right? He finished the last three years of his career where everybody, when you looked at holidays back at the end of his three career, three years, or the last two years, was over four and then over six. Mm-hmm. He was 191, 216, 211 with an unrun average. Are you kidding me? He could have went easily with those numbers right there. He could probably have gotten at least two more years and finished, maybe had an ERA in the threes. I mean, uh-huh. that's how unbelievable he was. Um, his his strikeout walk ratio uh, for his career was ridiculous. I, I, I tell you, I've been watching baseball my whole life, right? And and I've been watching closest before Mo from Dave Rigetti to all the way to, uh, to Chapman. I'm my my dad and I would always say when we got when we entered the ninth inning, the game was over. Now, every once in a while, because the Yankee games would go on forever, we would cheat because we know we had Mo closing out the game that we didn't have to watch the the top of the ninth inning because the game was over. You didn't have to worry about Mo walking the leadoff batter in the ninth inning and making it scary. You, you just didn't have to worry about it. it. It was incredible. The guy pitches on old timers day this weekend. The first batter he faces is Paul O'Neill. Yeah. He throws the cutter, jams him. O'Neill, his hand's shaking because it vibrated the whole bat. He gets a double play. The last inning that he comes in on Old Timer's Day, he gets another double play. So he's still doing it. He hits a home run in Old Timer's Day. Um, so I, I just look at him. He, he just made it so easy. And he made every Yankee fan just be at, at ease. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, David Robertson followed Mo, and David Robertson did a very good job for the Yankees. But he made it scary. Chapman makes it scary for the Yankees. Right? Chapman's ERA is one and a half thereabouts. He still makes it scary. Mo, you didn't have to worry about that. It was like I, 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 a buddy of mine said, it's like Mo's like laying tile. You set it and forget it. Mo comes in. You, you're set. It, the game's over. It's over. I mean, people like to hammer him on the 2001 World Series. That World Series, he still would have gotten out of it. If Joe Torre doesn't play the infield in, the little pop fly by Luis Gonzalez is caught by Derek Jeter. But, oh, that's not the one I want to talk about. <laughs> I'm not going with the Red Sox. <laughs> hell with them. I am not talking about that. Well, hold on. You said you put him in and forget it. That's not the one I want to talk about. Well, but that wasn't a World Series game. Um, but, <laughs> but but with, with Luis Gonzalez, it's a, it's a different game. But Joe Torre was so afraid of of Gonzalez breaking the bat and Gonzalez run pretty well, that they wouldn't be able to turn the double play. So he plays the infield in, and the guy breaks his bat and hits a pop-up over Jeter's head. So, uh, again, tough luck. Now, Mo got himself into trouble because he threw the ball away. Uh, bad throw over the third base. I think a bad throw to center field. He didn't get the uh, the force out of third base on a bunt. So a little self-induced on his part um, in that inning. Uh, but when you look at his career, that's the only, uh, to me, the only knock. You can say the the 04 postseason against Boston, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing. The one thing about any closer 
or pitchers because the Yankees did the same thing to Pedro Martinez. You flip it. When you play a team that many times year after year, they're going to pick up on things that teams that you only face a couple of times a year won't pick up on. And the Red Sox had his number. All, if, all, all I'm saying is I heard somebody say, you put Mo in and you forget it. I well, did. Okay, I put him so in and I, I forgot all about that game. I, yeah, me too. Because <laughs> all of a sudden – here comes Dave Roberts. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> well, well, Dave Roberts, I think, was a pinch runner. What? I think Bill Miller. I think Bill Miller got the hit, um, and then David Roberts. Dave Roberts came off the bench to run and was stealing the bases, because you could steal off Mariano Rivera because his delivery was a little long um, on that uh, on his delivery. So, but it really, the the story of that was was David Ortiz more than anything because he was clutched that whole series against Mariano Rivera, and he was clutched against him pretty much his whole career. I mean, those were good battles between those two, and, and David Ortiz did very well against Mariano Rivera. But you, again, you, you know you, what's funny? You, what's you know that? what's funny? And I'm not going to belabor that one, but just they they had the the box score. What do they say? Always kills a pitcher. Lead off walks. That's absolutely right. Kevin Millar got that leadoff walk. Oh, was it Millar, not Mill Miller? Okay. Yeah, Millar got the leadoff walk, and that's when Roberts. You're right. Roberts came in to pinch run. It, it inevitably, a leadoff walk will doom a pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 one hurt though. That one hurt because then you had to listen to those. Yeah. <sighs> but but again, I, I, again, even if you take that that postseason pitching, right? I mean, if you look at that that postseason there. Right, his career earned run average was 0.70, and if if you look at that 04 against the Red Sox, his ERA still was only 1.29 against right. the Red Sox. Right, right. He pitched seven innings. His ERA was 1.29. Yep. So it, it, he was just he was a freak of nature with the one pitch. Um, he's a great guy. He's helping rebuild Panama. He's just a tremendous man. Um, a great. Do I think he should be the first one at a hundred? No, I don't. Uh, in, my, in my view, in the time that I've been alive, oh um, yeah, it, it's Ken Griffey Jr. Absolutely. All right, ninety nine point three. Uh, again, it, it's ridiculous on Ken Griffey Jr. Again, part of this problem, this discussion, is how does somebody not vote for Ken Griffey Jr. Right? How is that possible? Your your man card, your Hall of Fame card, should be revoked. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. And again, I'm not taking anything away from Mariano. Do I think 100% of the people should have voted for him? Absolutely. The same thing should be said about Ken Griffey Jr. All of the greats that have donned the uniform that you knew without a doubt was a Hall of Famer. Hall should be 100%. Should be no nothing less. Should be nothing less than 100%. When you're a guy like Mariano, a guy like Ken Griffey Jr., a Ted Williams, Barry Bonds, all of those guys should be 100% because they're Hall of Fame. They, When you write it up on the board, their name is next to it. Yeah. The numbers they put are just ridiculous. Because, again, people say Babe Ruth numbers. That's right. But there were some guys like Barry Bonds had better numbers than Babe Ruth in, in certain aspects of the game. They were better. They are you know the babe the era they were the babe ruth of that era and they should go in at 100 percent. it's a shame and whoever did not vote for him should be out 
And really the last point I, I want to make on the Hall of Fame for me personally is that if you vote, if you don't vote and you abstain and and don't and put it, you should lose your vote automatically. Mm-hmm. Right. The people that are no longer write that are currently active writing should not have a vote in the Hall of Fame. Because you can't. The New York Post does not deserve to have 49 votes for the Hall of Fame. Oh. I got to I got to credit that to Christopher Mad Dog Russo on that number. Right. Mm-hmm. 49 people for the New York Post should not be eligible to vote for the Hall of Fame. There's 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 systematic problems that Major League Baseball needs to step in and enforce. If they can enforce and the commissioner can put this rule in place and that rule in place and to make the game better or safer, whatever you want to call it, then the baseball needs to step in with the Hall of Fame voting and start removing people that are not taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. And don't say I didn't vote for him because I know he was going to get 75% of the vote like they did for Ken Griffey Jr. and every other person that got robbed at 100%. Because then in my eyes, if you don't think he's a Hall of Famer, then you lose your right to vote. Because what in your right mind says he's not a Hall of Famer? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And that's 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 my last point on, on, the, on the Hall of Fame. Um, because I can go on for five more hours just screaming and yelling about yeah. this whole thing. My blood is 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 boiling right now just thinking about the people that wasted or people that had to wait longer to get into the Hall of Fame because of stupid numbers game. I only get ten votes. Or hey, I thought I thought he was voting for him, so I left it alone. I was going for this guy. Stupid, really. Stupid. You, you're gonna need the peppermint tea and have the bath. <laughs> you. You, you, Lavender you, soap or something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Stevie D, I, I, we, we have been in agreement uh, on this topic for years. I think ever since we met each other and like, what do you think about so-and-so? Oh, and then we would go off, right? Uh, and, and we have agreed on, on just about every player. We have agreed on on the system and how it's broken and how it's failed. Uh, you, you know, what, at one point I thought baseball was doing it right because there would be years where only one guy would go in or nobody would go in. I, I agree with that. The problem is, is that that person is eligible on the ballot the following year. This is the problem that I have with the Hall of Fame. When a player retires and the clock starts counting for his eligibility into the Hall of Fame, the player does not get better. His stats don't improve. You know, you're looking back at what he did. There should not, there should not be a need for, you know, a lengthy waiting period. I know they have it set that way in case a player decides to unretire, you know, and come back and play a year or two later. I get that, and so I understand that. But at the end of the day, what I'm saying is that when you have these players that are on a list and then they have to come back the next year and then they have to come back the year after that and they can keep coming back for what is it, 10, 10 years? Yep. As long as they meet the minimum voting criteria set forth by Major League Baseball. Well, the guy that, that when he was eligible in the first year is no different than the guy that was eligible in his 10th year. Don't give the guy a sympathy vote uh, to get him in the Hall of Fame because he's been on the ballot 10 years. So the, 
to me, that's where the system needs to start to be addressed. You go in, are you a Hall of Famer? Yes or no. If you have a class of 20, then you have a class of 20. If you have a class of zero and baseball has done that before, then you have a class of zero. We don't have anybody that's ready. But in order to do this, I have to take exactly what you said. That I have to make sure that these baseball writers are taking this vote serious. They are not abstaining from a vote because they don't like a guy or because how a guy treated them. They're not abstaining for a vote because they they think they're taking the moral high ground when they really don't know the history of the sport. They, they're not voting for somebody because it is a friend or they thought it would be funny or they thought it'd be a joke. This isn't a joke. You know, the Hall of Fame is the best of the best of the best. And as, as, as I said, it's the platinum. This is the last time that we talk about these players in their relationship to the game. So do your job, but do it right. I, I, I like the point of the NFL. You can take players and, and you can have multiple meetings throughout the course of that one physical year. By the time you open up the vote, you know, when you know what players are eligible to the time the actual vote goes in. You can have several meetings and take all the players that are then eligible that year yeah. and talk through their cases and start yeah. eliminate players little by little. And then then you have then you bring down you scale it down to maybe whatever that number is and you have one final vote of who goes in and who doesn't. And it, like you said if it's 20 it's 20, if it's 0 it's 0. And that's just the way it is and let's move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cuz it's not fair to the players either to drag them out through this whole thing too. Like like like, oh my God, thank you for voting me in. No, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, why drag this thing out 10 years for somebody? It, it's a joke. Well, what I think is funny, <laughs> and I know, I know I'm switching leagues here, <laughs> but you brought up football and you brought brought up dragging it out and the player reaction. And I'm talking about T.O. <laughs> the way T.O. handled his Hall of Fame, and he's right. You know, he T.O. is just like Bonds. Right. The media does not like T.O. The press doesn't like T.O. The sports writers don't like T.O. So they figured we're going to make you wait. And with Bonds, they didn't like him. They don't like him. And so they're going to use whatever excuse they can to try to keep him out. So Stevie D, this was great. Absolutely. We said we were going to do it. We said we were going to do it. And we finally did it. And we hope you enjoyed it out there. Uh, you know, as, as we mentioned early on, and Stevie D, you you hit the nail on the head. This this is a show for the fans. This is all about opinions, all about feelings, what what your thoughts are about what a Hall of Famer is and what the process is. So when you get a chance, hit us up on Twitter at Real OW Sports. Go to our website, officialwordsports.com. Leave us a message. Tell us what you think. Let's continue the debate. And maybe, just maybe, we might be able to make the change or at least put pressure on baseball to make the change. Now, on our on our upcoming podcast, DVD, I know we have been heavy in the NFL, but I have got to have us have a conversation. There's a whole lot of haves in that one. <laughs> yeah. But we have got to have the conversation about the 
2024 Tampa slash Montreal Rays. What in the world is going on in Tampa? But that's for another show. <laughs> that's for another show. As, as I said, Stevie D, I had fun, and it's been fun talking to our fans out there. Absolutely. Yeah, great, great conversation. We'd love to hear from you. This this topic can go on and on. You know, we mentioned players that should be in the Hall of Fame. We mentioned players that shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. What's your take on what we thought about those players? And you know what? Make an argument for or against. Maybe maybe we missed something about a, a player, and we'd love to hear from you on, on some of the players that we mentioned on today's podcast. You got it. So I'm Vince. I'm Steve. We'll talk to you soon.